Gold. I'm Nikki Strong, and this is VOA One The Hits. Welcome to Learning English, a daily 30-minute program from The Voice of America. I'm Dan Friedel. And I'm Katie Weaver. This program is aimed at English learners. So we speak slowly, and we use words and phrases especially written for people learning English. Today, our program includes a story about a recommendation by the American CDC. Background on why a professor's group spoke out about the officials at a college in Florida. A study about when humans lost their tails. And what it means to read someone the Riot Act. U.S. health officials are urging older adults to get an additional updated COVID-19 vaccine shot. The advice for Americans 65 and older was recently issued by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. A statement by CDC Director Mandy Cohen explained the new guidance. Most COVID-19 deaths and hospitalizations last year were among people 65 years and older. An additional vaccine dose can provide added protection for those at highest risk. The CDC said an additional dose of the vaccine can provide increased protection even if older adults received the updated shot version launched last autumn. The new guidance suggests individuals who did receive the updated shot, which became available last September, should wait at least four months before getting the latest dose. The CDC's decision, or recommendation, came after much debate over whether to say older people may get the shots or should do so. That discussion demonstrates the ongoing debate among experts about how necessary additional COVID-19 shots are. Some doctors have said they think most older adults are effectively protected after getting the shot last autumn, and studies have suggested the shots stay effective for six months. But health officials have noted the body's vaccine-activated defenses can decrease over time, especially in older people. The CDC had recommended additional COVID-19 shots, called boosters, for older adults in 2022 and 2023. COVID-19 can still present serious health risks, especially to older people and those with existing medical conditions. The CDC says there are still more than 20,000 hospitalizations and more than 2,000 deaths each week from COVID-19. 
Individuals 65 years and older have the highest hospitalization and death rates. Some members of the CDC group that approved the latest advice said the word should in the guidance is meant to persuade more doctors and drugstores to offer the shots. Most people are coming in either wanting the vaccine or not, Dr. Jamie Lohr told the Associated Press. He is a member of the CDC's deciding committee and a family doctor in Ithaca, New York. I am trying to make it easier for providers to say, yes, we recommend this. In September, the government ordered a new COVID-19 shot based on a version of the virus called XBB-15. That single-target vaccine replaced combinations that had targeted both the first COVID-19 version and a much earlier Omicron version. The CDC recommended that vaccine version for everyone six months and older. It also urged people with weak immune systems to get a second shot up to two months after the first. But most Americans did not listen to that advice. The latest CDC data shows that 13% of U.S. children got the shots, while 22% of U.S. adults did. The vaccination rate for adults 65 and older is higher at nearly 42%. People are tired of getting all these shots all the time, Dr. David Kennedy told the AP. He is an infectious diseases expert at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. Kennedy, who does not serve on the CDC's advisory group, added, We have to be careful about over-recommending the vaccine. I'm Brian Lynn. College professors and their students often say they should be permitted to pursue knowledge without too many restrictions from the government. One organization that supports the idea of academic freedom is the American Association of University Professors, or AAUP. The AAUP is a nonprofit group based in Washington, D.C., that aims to support academic freedom and tenure. The group is concerned that national and state political leaders are interfering too much with colleges and universities. In early February, the AAUP spoke out about what it said were attempts to control what may be said, taught, or thought in American colleges and universities. It pointed to hearings at the U.S. Congress in December 
that brought the presidents of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Harvard University, and the University of Pennsylvania to Washington. They each were asked if they would punish speech calling for genocide against the Jewish people. In the days and weeks after the hearing, the presidents of the University of Pennsylvania and Harvard stepped down from their jobs. Some said the answers they gave to Congress played a part. At first, Harvard President Claudine Gay received support from a number of Harvard professors, but she decided to leave her job after being accused of plagiarism in her academic writing. After Gay left her position, the AAUP spoke out about the way influential people worked to push her out. Irene Mulvey is the head of AAUP. She said the way Gay was pushed out of her job did not bode well for academic freedom. On February 26th, AAUP released a statement about its concerns over academic freedom. It said actions at the New College of Florida, a small school in Florida's state university system, did not meet widely accepted standards of academic government. The group said Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, had changed the college's top leadership group to restrict academic freedom. AAUP described some of the changes that began in early 2023 in a report released last December. The report is called Political Interference and Academic Freedom in Florida's Public Higher Education System. After studying the report, AAUP's top leaders, known as the Governing Council, voted to speak out against, or sanction, what it called an unprecedented, politically motivated takeover of the school. The group has only sanctioned 12 other universities in its history. The December report said DeSantis targeted New College of Florida because he believed it was too woke. The report says conservatives now define the word as politically liberal or progressive, especially in a way that is considered unreasonable or extreme. The governor appointed a group of six new people to the college's board of trustees. The board is a college or university's top leadership group. That group pushed out New College of Florida's president and worked to restrict the kinds of study programs the school could offer. The new trustees also worked to change the way professors applied for tenure, which guarantees those who have it a job for life. Many of the new trustees had written papers and made comments criticizing critical race theory 
or CRT. The theory centers on the idea that racism is systemic in the country's institutions and that most social interactions can be explained by race. The board members also spoke against DEI, or Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, a movement aiming to change how society is made up. One law professor in Florida, Leroy Purnell, told AAUP what was happening in the state was a reign of terror. Purnell teaches law at Florida A&M University. That term was first used to describe the French Revolution, which took place more than 225 years ago. New College is a state school, which means Florida provides part of its budget, and it is governed under state laws. But for years, New College had been permitted to be quirky. That means it welcomed students and professors who had unusual interests and wanted to follow study programs outside of normal ones. Many students who felt uncomfortable at more traditional colleges went to New College of Florida and said they felt happy and safe. LBGTQ students say they chose the school because it was open to those who did not follow traditional sexual or gender ideas. Elizabeth Leininger is a science professor. In a 2023 story, she called New College one of the most unique places that exists in American higher education. The AAUP talked with professors at other Florida universities who said they were concerned about the changes at New College of Florida. They said professors are worried about their own ability to seek academic freedom. Some are looking for jobs in other states. Caroline Ali Khan is an education professor at the University of North Florida. These governmental attacks from the state of Florida have made us unsafe, she told the AAUP. Kenneth Nunn is a former law professor at the University of Florida. He said good job candidates who are black are no longer considering Florida schools because they see attacks on CRT as attacks on what they do. In its report, the AAUP said it offered the chancellor, or top leader, of the Florida college system a chance to present Florida's side of the story. The chancellor, Kathy Hebda, said no because she said the AAUP would not fairly and fully consider any testimony. When the sanction came out, a representative from New College of Florida noted that the AAUP's decision has no ability to force changes or prevent a university from operating. 
In a statement to the Tampa Bay Times, New College spokesman Nathan March called the report an attempt to get attention. The AAUP did say it is not too late to prevent what happened at New College of Florida from happening in other places. The time for intervention has not passed yet. We call on all professional organizations, unions, faculty, students, staff, administrators, and communities across the country to fight such reforms, it wrote. The group called academic freedom an important part of democratic societies. I'm Ana Mateo. And I'm Dan Friedel. Our very ancient animal ancestors had tails. Why don't we have them now? From the time of Charles Darwin, a scientist from the 1800s who studied evolutionary biology, scientists have questioned why and how this happened. The answer is somewhere around 20 million or 25 million years ago. That was the time apes, the group of animals humans are part of, split from another animal group, monkeys. During that split, our branch of the tree of life lost its tail. Now... Scientists have identified at least one of the genetic changes that led to this change. We found a single mutation in a very important gene, said Bo Xia. He is a geneticist at the Broad Institute and helped write the study recently released in the publication Nature. The researchers compared the genomes of six kinds of apes, including humans, and 15 kinds of monkeys with tails, to find important differences between the groups. Once they identified an important mutation, they tested their theory by using the gene editing tool CRISPR. They used it to change the same place in embryos of an animal often used in laboratories, mice. Those mice were born without tails. Xia said, however, that other genetic changes may also play a part in losing tails. Another mystery, did having no tails help these ape ancestors, and eventually humans, survive? Or was it just a chance mutation in a population that survived for other reasons? It could be random chance, 
but it could have brought a big evolutionary advantage, said Miriam Conkle. She is an evolutionary geneticist at Clemson University who was not involved in the study. As to why having no tails may have helped our ancestors, there are many interesting theories. They include some that link being tailless to learning to walk upright. Rick Potts directs the Human Origins Project of the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. He was not involved in the research. Potts suggests being tailless may have been a first step toward some apes standing upright, even before they left the trees. Not all apes live on the ground today. Orangutans and gibbons are tailless apes that still live in trees. But Potts notes that they move very differently than monkeys, who move along the tops of branches, using their tails for balance. Those apes hang below branches, holding onto the branches with their arms while hanging largely upright. New York University biologist Itai Yanai helped write the study. He said that losing our tails was clearly a large change. But the only way to truly know the reason would be to invent a time machine, he said. I'm Gregory Stockhol. And now, words and their stories from VOA Learning English. In life, there are times when we must tell others about their bad behavior or unsafe actions. Sometimes that means giving them a strongly worded warning or scolding them. We can also read them the Riot Act. A riot is a violent public disorder, and that is where the expression comes from. The Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary says it dates back to the early 1700s England, when opponents of King George I began a series of protests. The British government wanted to stop the protests, so they passed a law called the Riot Act. It permitted officials to break up gatherings of 12 or more people, by reading a speech out loud. If the protesters did not leave, they would be guilty of a crime punishable by death. By 1819, Riot Act was also being used more generally for any severe warning or reprimand. The law is no longer enforced across the pond, as we sometimes refer to Britain. But the term to read the Riot Act is still alive and well today. 
We read someone the riot act to severely scold them. Reading the riot act can include some shouting, and in fact often does. We can use this expression in just about any situation where someone has made a big mistake, at work, with our friends, and with our family. Now let's hear it used between two friendly co-workers who are talking about a family situation. Wow, who was that on the phone? I could hear her yelling at you all the way over here. It was my aunt reading me the riot act. Why? What did you do? Well, I forgot to go to her house for dinner last night, and she made all my favorite dishes. Oh, that is a big mistake. I'm not surprised she read you the riot act. And it was her birthday. Oh wow, I'm surprised she is still speaking to you. I know. I feel awful. So to make it up to her, I'm taking her out to dinner at a restaurant that serves her favorite dishes. If VOA Learning English stopped teaching English, our listeners would have every right to read us the riot act. And that's all the time we have for this words and their stories. Until next time. I'm Ana Mateo. I'm Dan Friedel, and you're listening to the Learning English podcast. We just heard Ana Mateo discuss the phrase "to read the Riot Act." Welcome, Ana. Hello, Dan. Okay, Anna. This week you went across the pond for the phrase you discussed. Yes, Dan, I did. I talked about the phrase to read the Riot Act. It comes from the 1700s when King George wanted to stop protests. The British government passed the Riot Act. This permitted officials to break up gatherings of twelve or more people. Well, twelve people doesn't seem like much of a riot, but I can see where they were going. Twelve people start making some noise, and twelve more come to see what's going on. Next thing you know, you have hundreds of people and a riot. That's probably right, but these days the saying "read the riot act." Doesn't actually apply to large gatherings. It means a strong scolding or a severe reprimand, and it doesn't always involve shouting, but sometimes it does. I see, Anna. Can you think of a read the riot act situation? Sure, I have a perfect example. Years ago, I had a roommate, and she kept losing her door key. And this meant that we had to get the locks changed and get new keys made. This became a safety issue as well as an expense issue. So the last time she lost her door key, I read her the riot act. I criticized her severely. 
And I yelled a little, which I usually don't do. That does sound like cause for reading the riot act. What happened next? Thankfully, she moved out, and another woman moved in, who was very good at keeping track of her keys. So we never had a problem. So I guess the stern words made an impact. But I wonder, how often do you think a situation should escalate to the riot act? Sometimes I feel like I have a quick trigger and I start reading people the riot act sooner than necessary. Well, Dan, I'd say to save the riot act for serious situations. But if someone yells at you or criticizes your actions, you can say they read you the riot act, even if the situation wasn't that serious. I'll have to remember to hold back on the riot act readings. Thanks for offering me that guidance. We'll look forward to your next story. Thanks for joining us today. Sounds good, Dan. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Anna. It's always great to have you on the show. On today's podcast, we also heard from Brian Lynn, who told us about the recent announcement from health officials in the U.S., who said older Americans can be protected by an updated COVID-19 vaccine. Then we heard about a national professors group speaking out against changes taking place at a small college in Florida. After that, Gregory Stockel told us about a recent study that showed how scientists found the gene mutation that caused human ancestors to lose their tails. Thanks to Brian, Gregory, Anna, and the rest of my VOA colleagues for their work on today's podcast. Most importantly, thank you for listening. I'm Katie Weaver. And 